Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones here with George Mays for a free for all Friday. It sure is, and it's supposed to be a limited atonement free for all Friday because we're doing tulip. You know, we did the total depravity, unconditional mm-hmm. election. Now we're on the L, mm-hmm. which I prefer particular redemption better myself. But we're going to do the L, the most uh, controversial, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then you said, well, maybe, because I've got some stuff. So I don't know what that means. <clears throat> I don't know what, that, what you brought in here today. See, your problem, Jay, is that <clears throat> you weren't here Friday. You weren't here last Friday because mm-hmm. you had some sickness. Mm-hmm. And so I have to hold on to things. And it just piles up. Mm. It just piles up, and I'm ready to go. Been saving it for you. Okay. I'm ready. Where to start? How much stuff you have? A whole free for all Friday you know, with material? It, I mean, eh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Where, <laughs> we'll see where, where we go. Okay. You know. Right. Um, so we, we talk about the supernatural on here quite a bit. Mm. Talk about, we, we believe in the existence of angels and demons. Mm-hmm. There's a spiritual world behind this one. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Protestia, you ever follow Protestia? Uh, I don't follow them. I've seen some other stuff though. Okay. They're a discernment, discernment ministry. Uh-huh however you feel about discernment ministries. Anyway, they uh, they posted a, a video <clears throat> this this week of a uh, an exorcism. Okay. So I don't, I don't know this guy, um, Daniel Adams. He's got a deliverance ministry. Deliverance okay. ministry, right? Um, and at one of these, he uh, performed an exorcism. And I'll just, I'll just present it without, without any comments. Let's see if I can open this thing. Uh, give me a second. <laughs> Deliverance ministry, huh? Yeah. Well, for some reason, whenever I'm clicking on my uh, my links, it's not opening it. So, sorry. Give me give me just a second. Oh goodness! I don't know why this isn't working. Jay, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, actually, George. I yeah. told you yesterday. Well, so I wasn't sick last week. It was family. So, but I had to, you know, I took the day off, to make sure take care of them. Everybody's good to go. So Angie wasn't feeling good, so I stayed stayed home with her, try to take care of her. Um, but I got started getting sick yesterday, George. You found it. I found it. Yeah, I go started ahead. getting sick yesterday, George, and it hit me. It hit me like so fast. It came. It's weird how fast it came on. <clears throat> I came in normal, talked with you guys, doing stuff, whatever. And right around lunchtime, I started not feeling good, and like within like an hour, I was like, "I'm sick, full on." Mm. So I went home, and Angie's like, "Take that Z pack we got at home. We got that Mexican Z pack. You know, what I mean, it's 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 cheaper. Mm. You can only you can get it if you you know you know somebody lives down by the border." Mm-hmm. It's that cheap medicine. So, but I don't know if they put something extra in that Mexican Z pack because I took that Z pack, took a nap. By six thirty at night, I was back. Yeah. Bam. Were you glowing? Oh yeah. Were you glowing a little bit? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it must have been bacterial or Z pack <clears throat> didn't work. But that's the fastest I've ever gotten sick. Like I was like, 
sick where I was like, all right, George is going to have to preach, and that's not cool because I was looking forward to preaching. Mm -hmm. Someone's getting baptized this Sunday, and Mm -hmm. I was going to try to drop a gospel bomb in here, and I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. And then that medicine kicked in. That's good. So today, I mixed up a little, another special little concoction that okay. if you're sick, it'll it'll get you right. This right here is a uh, lime cucumber, pepino, Gatorade. You ever have one of these? No, I haven't. Well, what you do there, George, is you drink you about half of that down, and then you put Mountain Dew and the rest of it. You shake that up. Mm-hmm. That'll kill off whatever's left in your body that the Z Pack didn't get, uh-huh. and you're back. All right. And then George, we're gonna we're gonna have to start putting a little disclaimer at the bottom of the screen. We are not medical professionals. Not medical professionals, but <laughs> but you know if you are sick, I do have a leftover bottle of ibuprofen that the army gave me. Oh yeah, and that apparently cures everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm holding on to that. Okay. For a super serious like emergency, I got gotcha. <laughs> you. That, that special ibuprofen that the army issues, and they tell you to get back to work because okay. it, it fixes everything. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever down, you know I can hook you up with this drink and, and a, an army grade ibuprofen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be back. You'll be right as rain. All right. You heard it here first. Is that, is that on the is that on the level of uh, horse dewormer? Horse dewormer, yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But more research has been done on military-grade ibuprofen. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this video is of um, deliverance minister Daniel Adams. He's going to perform an exorcism. <laughs> What's he do it with? And it's one of the fakest things I've ever seen. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> What in the world? Hey, I bind you in Jesus' name. Get over here. What in the world? Pause it. Similar reactions have occurred when a woman is proposed to. <laughs> That's what I'll say about that. It gets better. Okay. Oh, okay. this this gets better. This okay. this is just the beginning. All right. All right. Who's looking at you? They are. They all looking at me. Who's in? Please stop. Hey. I need help. No, I'm scared. Stand still. I bind your feet to the ground. Now open your eyes. Look at me. Look at the servant of the Lord. <laughs> Look at the man of God. Now, how did you get in here? Hmm? You didn't think I'd catch you, did you? Why are you scared? What do you see? What do you see? What's around you? What did, what, ah, hey, hey, what did I say? Come here. What do you see? What is it? What do you see? They have Jesus in them. Uh, she said she thinks they y'all have Jesus in y'all. You <laughs> know that Jesus lives in you guys. Wow. Hey! I said come here. Where's he at? Louisiana? I promise I'll be good. Give me one more chance. Please, one more chance. One more. I promise I'll be good. 
been good before. I promise I'll do my best. Uh, 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 pray. He's, she's got that demon of a two-year-old in her. <laughs> what in the world? It's bad, isn't it? That you don't get to live in this girl anymore? Hey, to your knees. To your knees. Why? To your knees. Oh, no! Oh my goodness, what? This is the weirdest thing. Your assignment is done, that's and you know that. You cannot live in her any longer. She always praying and worship Jesus. She loved to say. Now stand back up. I'm sorry. Stand back up. I wanna hit you! Come on. This is the best part. I promise I'll get you! Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> this guy just got his hands in his pockets. Like, hey, uh, what you guys doing? Like, I've seen about 5,000 demons cast out. It's just an everyday thing. Hands in his pockets, just chilling. That little boy's laughing. Who's your Lord and Savior? Jesus. You're free in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So crazy, dude. Uh, it's so strange to me that, like, uh, People believe that you can be possessed by a demon if you're a Christian. Yeah, like I don't see how you get that. They they don't understand that uh, if you're a Christian, you're possessed by the Holy Spirit. Mm. How can you how can you uh, take over someone's house unless you bind the strong man? Who can bind the Holy Spirit? Right. Such flawed theology. You know what I mean? Where people <clears throat> people would make a demon stronger than the Holy Spirit and take over a person's body. Crazy stuff, dude. Right. Are you, you're pretty convinced, though, right, that he was performing oh, yeah, an exorcism? Yeah, yeah. Obvious, they obviously didn't plan it, <laughs> plan it out beforehand at all. <laughs> I'm scared of you. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get you. <laughs> all right. I, I've got some other things, but just one, just one other. Mm. Just one other. Just for you, Jake. Okay. What you got? Um, this is a tweet. I don't know who Dr. Valerie Hobbs is. You um, want to find out? You can if you would like to. I'll try while you're talking. Uh, but here's a, here's a hot take for you, Jay. Mm. You can put it up on the screen. Uh, I know some people who are praying for a revival in their Christian church and or denomination, but what if a revival has already happened? What if all those people who left because of prejudice and corruption was a revival? <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to, uh, <clears throat> to even know where to start with that well here's the here's the better part uh joel mcdermott are you familiar with joel mcdermott he uh, used to I've heard, he used, I've heard that name yeah. he used to be the head of uh american vision that's right he like disappeared where'd he go he got fired why did uh, he get fired because of, probably because of takes like this okay he retweets 
Dr. Valerie Hobbs. Uh And he says, strongly agree with this perspective. I will add, what if much of so-called deconstruction is actually revival? What if revival means total change in what we think church is? What if revival that just puts more butts in same pews and nothing changes much is not revival? Okay. Yeah, we've been talking about deconstruction. Mm -hmm. People leaving the church. Right. What if that's revival, Jay? Mm Mm-hmm. But why, when most of these people, they do the deconstruction? Now, now not all of them are the same. Like, there are some things that I think could be deconstructed. Like, we removed things from the structure and how we do church and whatever. We just call that reformation, though. Right. You should be deconstructing Mm -hmm. things that you believe that aren't biblical and reconstructing according to biblical biblical truth. Mm -hmm. So... I guess in a way, everyone should be deconstructing. That should be a process of sanctification, right? You're leaving behind former things, and you. But in the process, you should be adding to yourself more biblical right. things, like biblical beliefs, biblical practices, and activities. Mm-hmm. But you, when we're talking about deconstruction, we're not talking about that. Yeah. Deconstruction usually is, I'm leaving the church, I'm leaving Orthodox Christianity. Because the church has hurt me, or the church's stance on... Homosexuality. Homosexuality. Uh, is, is, is hurtful. Yeah. People, isn't it weird that people just pretend like the church just discovered this doctrine of, <laughs> yeah. of heterosexual marriage, mm-hmm. like, in 2023? Right. <laughs> like, it's hurtful to me that you have this stance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess get in line for the past two thousand years. I don't know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, we we haven't changed uh, what we've said for that long, so yeah. Deconstruct. Joel McDermott wasn't he like of- he was like hardcore post mill reconstructionist. Oh yeah. So what happened? Yeah, yeah. American Vision is a theonomist. Did he deconstruct from his theonomy? I bet he did. I guess I don't know. I bet he I know, did. I know that he's. Um, he has apologized for some of the things that he said before. Uh, yeah, he <clears throat> used to be a real jerk. I remember that about him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Well, now he's now he's you know, asking the the dumb questions. Mm-hmm. What if deconstruction is revival? Oh, Joel McDermott, he debated JD Hall, didn't he? I think so. And he got absolutely yeah. owned. Mm-hmm. And JD's Hall's biggest own was here's my biggest own against your your reconstructionist view is that no PhDs will actually debate you because they don't take you seriously. So you have to debate just a common pastor <laughs> like myself. I was like, oh man, that was savage. Um, yeah, they've both fallen off. Oh yeah, it's amazing how many of these. Well, they they weren't really celebrities, but they were definitely more well-known. J.D. Hall had quite a following. Yeah. And how many he, of he them... He went off the rails. How many have fallen away, mm-hmm. or not fallen away completely, but lost their platform yeah. because they've, I guess, over time, proven themselves to uh, mm. not be uh, trustworthy in some sense. We got Driscoll. Mm. Remember the elephant table stuff? Mm-hmm. Elephant room? Yeah. That was called elephant room, right? Yes. You pull up that picture of that elephant room and like... All of them are done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. Who was the main guy? He made gazillions of dollars that came out and like was guilty of like mismanaging funds and all that. He was the guy who organized it. You know what I'm talking about? No. You can't mm-hmm. see his face in your head? I cannot see his face in my head. 
Mm. Sorry. Interesting though, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, just uh, take that as a lesson. These people, these people that everybody love to retweet right now, love to retweet them. Yeah. Like repost them. Celebrity yeah. celebrity types, yeah. well known. Yeah, be careful uh, of the celebrity. And five years in five years they may just be have fallen off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm more convinced than ever that pastors need to stop trying to platform themselves mm-hmm. and Christian people need to stop listening to platformed people and they just need to invest in their local church. Yeah. That's it. Like what that's it, man. That's that's where it's at, the local church. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have enough to worry about with uh, with our folks, right? Like, I, I need to minister to them. I don't need. We have no business really caring what other people are doing out there in the world. Um, trying to platform ourselves to them, um, like subscribe and share, <laughs> right? When we say that, we don't do that. To, but that's not that's not like a platforming deal for us. Oh, we don't do it like them. <laughs> Well, you have to, you have, if you don't, if you don't, um, if you don't have some element of that, then you're hard to find even in searches, yeah. right? So if you tell a friend like, hey, just search, search for whatever, like I searched for something the other day that we have and I was like, I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because it's ranking you like down, way down at the bottom. Yeah. All 12 of our subscribers mm-hmm. need to, to up their game. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all better up that share game. But you know what I mean, like it's uh, it's a good lesson. I mean, you think about it: Driscoll, Chan, Darren Patrick, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Noble, yeah, um, Platt, David Platt, even to a degree, because I think he's the way he handled stuff at his church was not good. Um, that that new church he's at. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Oh, the one guy who just remember uh, farewell Rob Bell, the famous tweet. Mm-hmm. People were all over Piper for that. Mm-hmm. He used to be mega pop- popular in the evangelical yeah. world. Right, completely just fell off. Big lessons, mm-hmm. I think, to be learned. To be fair, I don't think Rob Bell ever was orthodox. I wasn't familiar with him until I saw farewell Rob Bell. Mm-hmm. So I just know his videos were shared a lot. Of, mm-hmm. I think before that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, I've got other stuff I could show you, but we can get into the Okay, you you want to do li- this? The limited atonement. All right, let's do it, man. Let's get into it then. Okay. Um so we are we're talking uh the five points of Calvinism or the doctrines of grace and we've already done uh, total depravity, unconditional election. You go back and listen to those. Now we're doing limited atonement. This is by far. This is the one that's the most controversial. Mm-hmm. You know, usually people they'll become like a uh, they say I'm a four pointer if they want to identify as some way. Some people don't prefer to identify as anything, which is fine too. But they'll say I, I'm all on board. I got four four of them. I just can't get on board with the L. Limited atonement is not biblical. Everyone knows that. That's kind of even the way it might would be originally appealed. Everyone knows, you know, Jesus died for every person, died for the sins of the world. So why would someone believe something like limited atonement, or or what I would say is better named particular redemption? 
you like that term better? I like that term better. I like definite atonement. Particular redemption, mm. definite atonement, much preferred in my view. Well, there used to be the um, the distinction between Baptist um, back in the the seventeen eighteen hundreds. There was the General Baptist and the Particular Baptist. That's right. And the distinction was over Calvinism, and especially over particular redemption. So you uh-huh. had, the, you had the, the general Baptist who rejected limited atonement, definite, mm-hmm. definite atonement. Um, and you had the particular Baptist who mm-hmm. were Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. They kind of, they formed, did they form into the free will <clears throat> or the general Baptist assembly and also the free will Baptist? Well, the, uh, I mean, there, there were, there were different strands of the the general baptist because many of them actually fell into um like universalism mm. liberalism took over yeah yeah um socinianism i believe is uh what the 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 technical term was okay yeah um many of them did not all of them but many of them fell into actual heresy mm. um which we have to be careful not to commit, like the genetic fallacy. Right. Um, You're right. Right. Like m- maybe there's something to their, you know, the general Baptist theology that that led to that. Maybe not. Right. More more uh, more research would need to be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there there was the there was the difference the the uh, the distinction between the general and the, the particular Baptist. Yeah. So we would we would call ourselves. I mean, we we would align with particular Baptist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not a deal breaker for me. You know, on the previous church that I served on, we had on our elder board we had some who were four point Calvinists. Mm-hmm. What's the term for that? What do they call them? Um, uh, Amraldians. Am I saying that correct? I always I always say it wrong. So I don't know. I, how to say I, it. I don't know. Amraldian. Amraldians. Who knows? Four, four which pointer. there's a which there's a four pointers. There's a little bit of a difference even there, I think. Um, Amoreldianism, I, yeah, I don't know. We're getting into. Well, we're, get, we're getting into. For. We're, we're really doing for. a. We're doing a, a deep dive here. Well, people, um, there, people want to know. Well, there's there's also the uh, the multiple intentions, and I don't know. I don't know how uh, similar the multiple intentions view is to. Amoraldianism. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. My my uh, pastor back in Kentucky he uh, he holds to multiple intentions. At least okay. he did All he right. did years ago when I talked to him. I, I mean I I don't know where he is now, but um, he he held to multiple intentions in the uh, in the death of Christ. Mm. Which I haven't done a lot of research. Um, he gave me a, a he gave me a, Bruce Ware. I think is multiple intentions. Uh huh. Um, so he would be a four point Calvinist, right? Um, Driscoll, Mark Driscoll. Okay. He now he's now he's completely rejecting Reformed theology completely altogether. But back but, when he had a semblance of orthodoxy, he was. Um, what is he now then? Is he? Is he? Is Did you he, never watch any of the videos where he is like reform theologies for little boys and just went off? Ah, uh, it's 
going to be fun whenever he shows up to heaven. And uh, <laughs> Luther's like, you call me a little boy? <coughs> You're making in? some massive assumptions about, about Mark Driscoll <laughs> in, that, in that sentence. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he he. I still believe he's he's a brother. Okay. Uh, you, he can be an error and uh, in a lot of ways and still be a brother. I think. Um, Amraldian controversy. I just want a short explanation, dude. I don't. I, I everything I'm pulling up is like. Good luck. I don't have. I don't have 20 minutes to read this on here. Yeah. Yeah. There's some type of uh, deal. I think it, it comes down to um, the debate on. And pre time, the 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 order of mm. of of God's working. Uh, did He decree first to save some, and then decree the atonement, like that type of thing? But we don't do that. Let's go. <laughs> let's let's get back into. If this. we start talking about the lapsarian debate, no one is going to be listening. Everyone's well, going to be like, ah, uh, you know what? <laughs> their, yeah, their eyes show gloss. me more, show me more exorcisms. Their eyes gloss over, and then they hit the rumble. Yeah. Space, <laughs> They come back, come back on the, on the road. Um, we probably already lost people when we started talking about Amaraldianism. <laughs> Amaraldianism. Amaraldianism. Amaraldism. That's how it's spelled. Amy, that is not how it's pronounced. Amy mm. Raldism. Mm. Oh I'm gonna start calling it Amy Raldism. <laughs> Amy Raldism. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, let's get back in here. So a serious discussion here, Jay. Um, so the the heart of it is what was the intention of the cross? That that really is what the the debate is about. When Christ went to the cross, what was the purpose? Right. So, um, we would say Christ died for a particular people. Mm-hmm. So, a particular redemption, something like that, limited atonement. Others would say no. He died for everyone universally, but um, it wasn't in itself propitiatory until a necessary condition activates it, Mm -hmm. and the necessary condition would be your belief. So Christ died in a general sense for everyone, Mm -hmm. in a particular sense for no one. I got a bomb quote here from Charles the Man Spurgeon. You You know that guy? I do. Charles the Man Spurgeon. This is what he says. <clears throat> I think this is the one. I've, I've got several in here. All right. He said, We are often told that we limit the atonement of Christ. I mean, he's speaking of one that's a five-point Calvinist. Right. We are often told that we limit the atonement of Christ because we say that Christ has not made satisfaction for all men or all men would be saved. See what he's saying? Is say, he's appealing because he believes in... Um, propitiation mm-hmm. that when Christ died on the cross something actually happened. Right. Well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll into ba- that. We'll back up to that. But that's that's the position he's arguing from. He says, we're often told we limit the atonement of Christ because we say that Christ has not made satisfaction for all men or or else all men would be saved. Mm-hmm. That's the connection, right? Yeah. Now, our reply to this is this. On the other hand, our opponents limit it. We do not. So he's saying Arminians limited it, we don't. The Arminians say, Christ died for all men. Ask them what they mean by it. Did Christ die so as to secure the salvation of all men? They say, no, certainly not. We ask them the next question. Did Christ die so as to secure the salvation of any man in particular? They answer, no. They are obliged to admit this if they are consistent. 
They say, no, Christ has died that any man may be saved if, and then follow certain conditions of salvation. And that's good. I like that. So you ask the, them, did Christ die for any person in particular? Right. And they'll say no. And the big difference is, is we believe Christ died for his sheep, like his people. We're going to get into that. You ever hear that, uh, that song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind? I've I've heard that before. Old old like gospel song. Mm-hmm. Right. Well the the that only really fits with the, the Calvinistic Right. Yeah. Explanation of the cross because for the Arminian, um he's he's dying for everyone, but he's but he really is not dying for anyone in particular because unless they two thousand years down the line Right. Activate it. Right, they've got to activate it. Um, by faith. Until then, it's not. It's mm-hmm. really not for anybody. Right. Yeah, I remember when I had this, uh, I came to this like realization, it was pretty shocking to me, that if Arminianism was true, that um, you only become elect if God sees through the corridor of time that you will say yes to salvation. Like, you will say yes to Christ. You'll hear the gospel, you'll repent, you'll believe, and mm-hmm. he, like, retroactively elects you to salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ died, his death on the cross was not for people in particular, but general. Theoretically, every single person that ever lived could have said no. So, in that sense, Christ yeah. would have died for no reason. Right. Because nobody says yes. Right. That's I don't see God rolling that dice. <laughs> well, in Mullen, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I th- I think that the the heart of the issue really needs to be on um, which which um, I hate calling it a theory of the atonement. What 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 is your position on the? the cross on the atonement what what is it because there's people may not know there's there have been throughout church history different understandings of what the the cross did right so there's um like the um satisfaction uh theory right where christ is paying something to the devil you're hungry george i hear it i am hungry everyone else who has their earbuds in heard it too (laughs) Um, the so so Jesus paid something to the devil, right? Which I don't know. This is a strange theory. It's more of a medieval theory, isn't yeah, it? Isn't that is, isn't that more of what the the medieval some yeah. of the medieval uh, theologians held to was that in in um, in the fall, Adam somehow gave over his rights to the devil. Mm-hmm. And so Christ has to win back those those rights on the cross. Yeah, um, this has picked up a little bit with some of the Word of Faith. Um, it is, yeah. Preachers, I think, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, you know, this uh, he had to go. You know, uh, Joel Osteen. He he would say that Jesus dies, he goes into hell, and he has basically like a boxing match with the devil, mm-hmm. and he beats him and drags him around hell. Um, this weird, right? He's got to win back. He's got to win back something from the devil. I know, Very like, weird, right? I know, like Kenneth Hagen and and some of those guys. They they held to like 
the world was given over to the devil, like the devil owned it. Right. So Jesus had to come and basically trick the devil into killing him so that he forfeits his rights to the earth. So anyway, that's one theory. But there's other there's other theories, right? That's some weird that's that's a strange one right there, my friend. (laughs) I didn't come up with it. Yeah, so the when you get to the atonement, you'll run into, you know, even people from from liberal uh, churches today, they don't they don't really like to talk about uh, what happened on the cross as propitiation, mm-hmm. that Christ paid satisfaction for sins for uh, a person. Right. So uh, we don't need to get into all the different theories of the atonement, but what we do need to remember is if you're going to develop uh, some ideas about what happened at the cross, the best place is not reading like uh, some theologian's opinion or his speculations, some of these sound sci-fi, like just just go to the, just go to the Bible and develop your theory from the Bible. So I, I think it, we don't have to go, like you said, we don't have to go into all the different theories, but I do think that we need to contrast the, the Arminian theory with the Calvinist theory because mm. they don't, a consistent Arminian, like an actual Arminian, right. doesn't hold to the same, the same atonement doctrine that a Calvinist does, right? Because they they can't, mm-hmm. because of the the logical consequence so, <laughs> of, of right. what you what you believe happened on the cross. So, well, well given their beliefs, like if it, because they say Christ died for every person, mm-hmm. literally that ever lived, yeah, right. And if they were to hold to the view we hold of the atonement, right, that would mean. Universalism. Universalism. No one is in hell. Right. Which some people have gone that way. You know, I guess yeah. the general Baptist went right. that way. Right. So that's their logical conclusion. Right. So, you don't, but you don't want to end with logical conclusions because right. that logical conclusion violates the Bible. And, which, and so there's a which there's, says there not are, everybody goes. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who who are in evangelical churches that hold to the Calvinist position on the atonement, but they don't. They're not consistent. Right. So they're they're. They're not. They don't hold the limited atonement, but they still hold to penal substitutionary atonement. Right. But they're not consistent in it, so they're not universalist. Right. But the the consistent Arminian holds to the governmental theory of the atonement. Yeah. So God governs the world in such a way that sin has to be taken care of, um, and in the cross, Jesus has purchased. Um, the I don't know how would they phrase it. He's made it possible so that men can be reconciled to him, but the cross doesn't actually do it. Mm-hmm. It just makes it possible, right? Um, in God's government, right? So now in God's government, because of Christ, God can forgive sinners who repent, right? Yeah, I I, I don't I, I mean I want to make sure that I'm, I'm I can... representing it correctly. Where's uh, I've got a I might have that book around here somewhere. It's got all of those laid out really good. Let me see if I can just look it up real quick. Okay, see how they would describe that. Um, but the the Calvinist holds to penal substitutionary atonement, mm-hmm. which says that on the cross, Christ actually was a substitute, and he actually penal he that's that's uh, judgment language. It's like courtroom language. He suffered the penalty as a substitute for people. So on the cross, God actually poured out his wrath for people, for particular people, on Mm -hmm. Jesus. 
Um, and so the, the, the penalty and the guilt of sin has been atoned for. Right. Yeah, so the governmental theory, also known as moral, governmental, moral government theory, mm-hmm. says that Christ <clears throat> was not punished on behalf of anyone in particular, but more on behalf of the human race in general. Um, and God demonstrated his displeasure with sin by punishing his own sinless son, obedient son, um, because Christ suffered and died and served as a substitute punishment for humans that they might have received may be atoned for. So God is able to extend forgiveness while maintaining divine order, mm-hmm. having demonstrated the seriousness of sin and thus appeasing his wrath. Um, so there's some points of contact, you know, yeah, yeah, there are bet- between penal substitutionary atonement and the governmental theory, but they're not the same. Yeah, First uh, Peter two twenty four, right? This is one, yeah. So I mean, it, yeah, we, we got to so know what, we the, go, what does so the we Bible go, say. So we go to the Bible to say, okay, what does what's the what's the Bible's theory of the atonement? Mm-hmm. What what does the Bible say happens on the cross? And it it's really clear. I think it is. I mean, you got this verse, First Peter two twenty four. We can go to uh, Isaiah fifty three. Isaiah fifty three is a big one here. I think that we look at. Um, but First Peter two twenty four says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So that seems to be um, very particular. He himself bore our sins. So we believe that for a person their actual sins was paid for by Christ, not in a general sense, in a particular sense. Um, so there's that one. There's Isaiah 53, obviously, um, which that's that long chapter really for me, I think, is what was the sealed the deal here. Right. What about for you? For me? Yeah. Uh, it was Hebrews. Okay. Of course, it's Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's Hebrews for you. I know. Shocker. Shocker so, to everybody. For me, it was it was combination of Isaiah and guess. Take your take your next best guess. What's mine? What's my Hebrews? John. John. Yeah, yeah you got it. So John is. If you go with through John, well, we can you can pull what you've got in Hebrews and show. But I'll go. I'll show some John. You show some Hebrews. How about that? I was going to show some Leviticus. Okay. All right. <laughs> and then you're going to take it to Shocker. Hebrews? From Leviticus to Hebrews? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. All right. Sure. What do you got in Leviticus? So, I guess a little bit of background. Neither one of us were convinced of limited atonement just immediately. No. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the story of a lot of Calvinists. They, they come to the the Calvinistic view of of election, mm-hmm. total depravity and election, um, perseverance of the saints, um, but limited atonement usually comes last. And it was it was for me. I I actually was um, I actually went to seminary, unsure of my my position. Right. Um, and it was when I went to my systematic theology class, and um, the professor started showing um the the role of the priest and what the priest did for israel yeah and how that role is is fulfilled in christ so typology yeah that it finally clicked 
right? Because Christ is prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. What role is he fulfilling on the cross? Right, he's fulfilling that of a priest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't start on the cross; it starts in the garden. And so Jesus in the garden in John chapter seventeen. I don't know if you're going to go there. I uh, will go to John ten and John seventeen. Okay, so I'll leave. I'll leave that. I'll leave the high priestly I'll, I'll prayer. Leave it there. Yeah. Um, but Leviticus uh, chapter 16 gives us the type. It's the day of atonement. Um, the day when the high priest makes sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've got, um, we've got pretty much all of the doctrine of atonement um, in Leviticus 16, mm-hmm. which people probably are like, I don't, I don't like the book of Leviticus. Right. And their Bible reading plan, they get uh-huh. to Leviticus and like, uh, I'll read something else. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't understand that um, Leviticus is answering the question, how can a sinful people enter the presence of a holy God? Yeah. And at the very center of the book, the book is, um, I think, a chiasm. And the center of the book is the Day of Atonement. And in the Day of Atonement, um, the high priest takes two goats um, first, he has to take a bull, and he sacrifices the bull and sprinkles the blood of the bull on the on the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, for his own sin. And then he takes these two goats. And on one of the goats, he puts his hand on the head of the goat, and he confesses the sin of the nation on the goat. So we've got substitution, mm-hmm. right? Um, we've got um, imputation. Which right. is a, it's, yeah. it's just a theological term that the sins of the people are symbolically put on the goat, and then the goat's taken out into the wilderness and let go. Mm-hmm. So, um, lots of theological terms here. I'll try to make sure to to define them. Imputation is is laying the sins of the people on a substitute, yep. and then we got expiation. The sins of the people are then taken outside the camp, carried the, away. The goat carries the sins away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one goat that's the scapegoat that's mm-hmm. where we get the word for scape this the scapegoat it's, yeah. it's this goat this the goat to azazel yeah yeah whatever azazel <laughs> is <laughs> yeah um the other goat is killed um and its blood is then carried into the holy of holies and sprinkled on the mercy seat to make propitiation mm-hmm. so uh the wages of sin is death right a, a a death is owed to God. Well, the the goat is a substitute for the people, mm-hmm. and its blood is poured out on the mercy seat, propitiates or satisfies the justice of God against yes. the people. So mm-hmm. we've got substitution, we've got imputation, expiation, uh, propitiation, atonement. The, the people are atoned for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, if we read, if we read really closely, it tells the people of Israel that they're supposed to assemble themselves mm-hmm. um, for this day. So they're, they're, this is not a passive event for the people of Israel, even though the high priest is the one making the sacrifice and going into the tabernacle and making the, the atonement behind the, the curtain. All part of Hebrews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the people are still supposed to they're supposed to afflict themselves, which means they're supposed to fast. Um, they're not supposed to work, and they're supposed to assemble themselves. Uh, well, what about the guy that doesn't assemble himself? What about the guy that he's like, um, this is a day off. Right. I'm going to you know, 
catch up on some sleep or something. Right. Is that is the atonement made for him? Not according to Leviticus 16 and um, I believe Numbers. It says that the person who doesn't afflict himself is cut off from the people. Mm. So even in the day of atonement, for the nation of Israel, which, again, it's not for the Philistines, it's not for the Babylonians or the Egyptians, it's for the people of Israel. Right. Even within the nation of Israel, the Day of Atonement sacrifice is not for everyone. It's only for those who assemble themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, only, it's only for the remnant. Right. right? Um, because it makes actual satisfaction. Because it actually, yeah, well, in a in a typological sense. Right. right? Well, it, yes. As, as we saw, in, mm-hmm. as, as we've, you know, with... Go well, back and listen to, yeah. to you know all of our discussions on Hebrews, especially um, you know uh, seven, eight, and nine, and what the priest was doing in the tabernacle in, in Israel was always pointing forward to the greater reality that Christ right. makes a once for all uh, sacrifice, mm-hmm. and He takes His blood not into the earthly tabernacle, but He goes mm-hmm. into the very presence of God. Um, what chapter we talked about this pretty at great length? Yeah, I mean, uh, during the Hebrews nine and ten are so, the are the are the the big places where this is brought out. The the uh, so text driven Tuesday, you go back to that mm-hmm. and you'll see us talk about it for a great detail. If you just walk through chapter ten, I think it's really clear mm-hmm. because he's bringing out the fact that the the Levitical priests they made this Day of Atonement sacrifice every single year because it never actually took away the guilt of the people. Mm-hmm. But it, it and point, it didn't change the people. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't change their hearts. They still, yeah. they still had this consciousness of sin. But Christ, He comes and He makes a once for all sacrifice, um, and it says Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, and He sat down at the right hand of God. So He uh-huh. finished His work. Um, and then it says. Um, uh, verse 14, this is Hebrews chapter 10, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That is a definite atonement for a particular people. Mm-hmm. Um, if he had wanted to say that this is, a, this is a sacrifice that makes atonement for the sins of everyone in general, he certainly could have. But what he does is that he, he makes it very, very particular that he's doing it for those who are being sanctified. And this is all throughout the book, that Christ is made um, like his brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, those who are, he, who he, he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. Um, that's why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Um, he, he took on um, flesh so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. And we can bring in other mm-hmm. passages in the New Testament. <clears throat> who are the offspring of Abraham? Right, right. Um, right? Yep. Um, he makes propitiation for the sins of the people. I mean, the very definition of propitiation is he made satisfaction. Right. Um. This is why this is why people that hold to penal substitutionary atonement but don't hold to limited atonement um, are in danger of universalism. Right. Like it's it it is it is the logical conclusion. Now now thank thank God that you know a lot of people don't don't go there. 
You got uh, you got to ignore it, a lot of Bible to go there. Yeah, what is um, is it Spurgeon that calls them blessed inconsistencies or something yeah. like that? Like, yeah, that's it's good. God protects His people from um, by yeah. those inconsistencies <laughs> in yeah. our theology. Um, Spurgeon even says there's there are going to be people that are saved by particular redemption that don't believe. don't don't hold to particular redemption, right? Um, but I mean, you walk through you walk through Hebrews, and you'll see the particular language is all over the place. Mm-hmm. That Christ did this for His people; He did it for the children; He did it for His brothers. Um, it, it's very particular, and if you if you recognize the typology from Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16 to the fulfillment on the cross, that's laid out for us in places like Romans three, Hebrews uh, ten. Um, you'll you'll see. There's a very there's a very particular emphasis oh, yeah. Yeah. on the cross. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking of preaching because I I have two weeks where I can just preach whatever, uh, because of how Ecclesiastes is broke broken. How I kind of like divided it up for preaching, mm-hmm. and I really only have five left. So next time I come on after you preach, then I'll do the end of Ecclesiastes. So I've got two. So I think I'm thinking and I'm leaning toward here doing Matthew uh, 20 and in particular verse 28, which it tells us, like, here's what Jesus said why he came. He says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And of course, I think that's he's... I mean, he's he's telling you what he's going to do, but that's kind of makes you think of Isaiah fifty three, mm-hmm. which uses the same language. Yet he bore the sin of many. Um, I mean, God, God can. I think God tries to communicate clearly. I always try to give God the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, he could have said something different. He yeah. used the word many. Isaiah 53 is a massive chapter. Jesus not only said this here, I mean, it's recorded in Mark and some and others, but uh, just I think that's very clear. I don't know why that's a controversial thing uh, to say. I think we had this we had this sense of fairness that we say, well, that's not fair. It's because we actually think we're really good and we're really deserving of being saved. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. We think everybody is good, and so God should save everybody. Um, but God in his plan, he's revealed this to us this way. But John, I think is, John 10 is, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how you get out of John 10, to be honest with you, or John, John 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're just going to take what it says, John, John 10 says so clearly. And of course, being the incredible teacher that Jesus is, he's, he's using things people see all the time. So in the time that Jesus was uh, teaching this, where he's talking about being the good shepherd, there would be these big sheep pens in Israel where multiple different shepherds would take their sheeps uh, that belonged to them. And so maybe they go stay the night or they stay the weekend over in Israel because they're visiting the temple or something. Um, they go back to get their sheep, they go to the gate, and they call out, they start calling in their voice. And only, and you can still see this today, you can look up videos on YouTube of a shepherd calling their sheep, and they will come running. Um, and the sheep will separate themselves from other sheep, and they'll come to their shepherd. 
and he'll lead them out of the gate into pasture. It's a it's a it's incredible imagery. So I'll just read it. Um, I'll just start at the beginning. Why not? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He's talking about the bad shepherds of Israel. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That's him. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they did not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, So I don't really see how you can um, go to the place where he's saying, I died for everybody, (laughs) when he just literally just told you. He calls his sheep by name. They come and they follow him. They come out of all of the others, Mm -hmm. his sheep, all the other pen of sheep. They come and they follow him. And that's who he's laying his life down for. Well, even more, if you if you keep going as the 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 time goes on, the the religious leaders they they come and pressure him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us. And he says, "I've already told you, and you do not believe." And he says, "You do not believe because you are not among my sheep." <laughs> right. In other like, words, they don't hear his voice. So you can't just say, "Well, they could become part of his sheep if they," you know. Right. So he teaches the same truth kind of, in a negative sense. Right. So, so they don't they don't believe him because they're not part of his sheep. Jesus does not lay down his life for them because they're not part of his sheep. Right. That's right. Um, maybe hard to swallow pills, but true pills nonetheless. Right. I mean, it's it's. Ex- well, I, I, think I think it's explicitly we, clear. You know, we. I I ask myself, what? Why are people so? Why are they so adamant? I mean, people get angry over this. I mean, out of all the points of Calvinism, this is the one that people are, I mean, they get furious over uh, this. Yeah. And I think it's, I think there's an emotional element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it goes back to total depravity. I think that they're, you, they've got this idea that people are not, are not that bad. Mm-hmm. And that there are people who want to trust in Jesus and they want to be saved. And God is like, no, no. Jesus didn't die for you. Right. And that's not that's not the biblical teaching. That's no, not the biblical not. teaching not on the all. nature of man. The mm. nature the Bible says that people are not they're not wanting to come to Christ. They don't love God. They don't seek after him. They 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 have no fear of God. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. the gospel is that while we were in that state, Christ died for sinners. Right. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were while we were enemies, while we're enemies of God, yeah, yeah, God did something for us that we wouldn't do for ourselves. Now, why didn't He do that for everybody? It's His prerogative, right? Why that? That's our sinfulness again, saying, "Well, 
if he did it for some of us, he should do it for all of us. No, God can show mercy to whoever he wants to show mercy, and he can and he can leave others in their just condemnation, and he has done nothing wrong to anybody. Right. Um, if he wants to show grace to some and not show grace to others, um, I mean, Paul answers that in Romans 9, who are you to talk back to God? Right. You know, you keep going here in John 10, it gets even more explicit after he's talking about the bad shepherds, and he says, "I am the, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. That's pretty particular. Right. And he goes on, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, now we're talking really particular. We're talking about <laughs> right. an inter-Trinitarian love. Mm-hmm. Um, he applies that to he, he and his people. Um, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Mm. And then they might object. Some people might say, well, well, verse 16 refutes what you're saying. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock, one shepherd. Um, for this is the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I take it up again. But in context here, he's referring to the sheep, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and the she- other sheep that are not here in this fold that he has to go to to bring also are the Gentile sheep right. that he will send his apostles out to. Mm-hmm. And and when they preach, in the preaching of the apostles, and I'd say even now, in anyone who preaches the gospel, pastor or layperson, and the preaching of the gospel goes forth, the shepherd's calling his sheep out. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into this next time. It becomes an irresistible. Right. It's like an irresistible thing. It just they hear it, and it might be immediate. It might be like, hmm, I'm curious now. And then there's this knowledge, like building and questions. Um, but it's very clear who he's calling. It's very clear who he's laying his di- life down for. Mm-hmm. His sheep. Right. And that that even takes you back to other things in John, <laughs> yeah. where he told people explicitly in John six that he has a people the Father has given to him. He lays his life down for them, and then, but then he'll give an open invitation to the gospel. Mm. Anyone who comes to me. Yeah. Um, so the two aren't. I mean, we'll get into that more in effectual call. So we don't have to now. But that, that's it. That's one of the things. Like, why would you preach the gospel indiscriminately then? Mm. Well, because uh, number one, we're told to. <laughs> right. And number number two, it's the means that God uses to call His sheep out of the world. Right. Um. Let's let's go to John chapter seventeen. Why not? And let's 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 tie it in again because I, I, uh, I, I imagine that a lot of people don't think of Christ's works in the the threefold office that we see in the Old Testament. <clears throat> he is prophet, priest, and king. Those mm-hmm. are the three offices of Israel. Right. Um, you see it all throughout the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Right. The prophets are the ones who speak the word of God. The priests are the ones who make atonement. They're the ones that are the um, they represent God. To the people and the mm-hmm. people to God, and then the king rules over the people. And Christ, as the Messiah, he is the perfect prophet, priest, and king. He he um, uh, un- he speaks the very word of God. Speaks the word of God. Um, he is the word. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the king. He rules over his people, um, and he's the priest. He makes atonement. Mm-hmm. And so when we are when we look at the work of Christ, we we can think of it in terms of prophet, priest, and king. So when he goes to the cross, he is acting as the priest who makes the sacrifice, not a sacrifice of of bulls and goats, but the sacrifice of his own yep. his own body, his own blood. Uh, but his work as priest 
it uh, it doesn't start on the cross. Mm-hmm. It starts here, John chapter seventeen. Right? Yeah, he begins, which if you have a if you have an ESV, the the very it's labeled the very for label you. says the high priestly prayer. Um, it, this is this is the high priestly prayer where Christ intercedes on behalf of his people. Yep. Right. He uh, yeah. It's an uh, amazing chapter. I think, uh, I, I, who knows how many sermons Lloyd-Jones preached on this one. <laughs> oh, man. It's probably a yeah, hundred. Do you know how many it is? I have no idea. Well, now I'm curious. Yeah. When I get bit by the curious bug, I have to find out. <laughs> I'm sure it's quite a few. I'm it's sure. a lot, I mean, man. books have the book, been written the book, on this chapter. I have his book on it, and it's mm. big, like 600 pages long. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that, I'm sure it's quite a few. Yep. Um, I'm searching for it now. Okay, all right. Well, where do you want me to go with this? Um, just talk about what he, how he prays. I mean, yeah. Jesus, Jesus. I mean, he's. We forget this. Okay, Jesus can pray what he wants to pray. Yeah, and he's praying specific words, mm. and we cannot change them. Right. Um, John chapter seventeen, when Jesus has spoken these words the upper room discourse that we have in in uh, 14 through 16. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Right? Yep. Um, he, That's the elect. So you go back and listen to our podcast on election. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping down to verse six, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So again, he's talking about particular people, right? So people at this point might say, "Well, Giorgio, he's talking about the disciples," and he it, and he there, certainly there, is. There is. They're yeah. certainly included, yeah. but as you continue to read, yeah. listen to what how George reads this, you're going to see that there's going to be a shift that goes beyond the disciples mm-hmm. that's included here. Yeah. Um, he uh, he continues, he says, uh, you can see that this is the disciples. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know uh, in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All right, so there's there that there's a there's yeah. a really solid particular statement there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm praying for the ones you've given me. I'm not praying for the I'm world. For the world. Um. Well, I mean, what can we? What what do we say to that? What yeah. I mean, what, uh, the, it it really doesn't even need much explanation. He's mm-hmm. praying for a particular people, but he's not praying for everyone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's not he's not interceding for everyone, no matter how you you try to spin it. He says, "I'm not praying for the world." Mm-hmm. There are people that that Christ was not praying for. Now, this is his high priestly prayer. He's interceding for some people. He's not interceding for everyone. Now he's going to go and make atonement. Is he making atonement for everybody? He intercedes for particular people and says, I'm not praying for these people. Is he going to go to the cross? Is his work as priest going to be divided? Right. So he doesn't pray for the world. Now he's going to go make atonement for the world. Right. Or is his work unified? Mm -hmm. He prays for a particular people. <clears throat> and he goes and he dies for a particular people. Right. And I think you can't you can't divide the the work of the priest. 
You can't. You, you don't do that in the Old Testament. He intercedes for the people of Israel, and he makes atonement for the people of Israel. You got it. Christ prays for those whom, whom the Father to gives him. to him, um, which you, you can't just take this little section and say, well, he's just talking about the disciples because he goes on and he says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Right, Verse 20. That's verse 20. Mm-hmm. Right, So he expands it. He's not just talking about the 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 11 disciples who are left. He's praying for all of those who will believe through the, the testimony of the disciples. Um, and now he's going to go to the cross and he's going to make atonement for them. Ver- yeah. And then verse 24, you see his desire. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, again, this is why you see all these doctrines are interrelated, all those whom you have given may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. He prays for particular people. He interceding for them. He lays his life down for them. And he accomplishes an end goal. Right. His end goal desire is that they would be with him where they are, mm-hmm. where he is with, with his father, that they would see his glory. You, There's no way to make this say other things than than to really twist it to really twist it to uh get very creative with your interpretations if you were given a bible and didn't live by another human for 20 years you would never read this passage and conclude that jesus was dying for every single person on the planet never yeah, I wouldn't think Some, so. Someone has to teach you that, mm-hmm. or uh, you pick up on it through osmosis. I think I think a lot of that comes like we have a natural inclination to this uh, these senses of how we think things should be because we really think we are pretty good and we think God should do all kinds of great things for us. And so by osmosis, we kind of pick up these other things. I think you know what I mean, even if it's not explicitly taught. Yeah, because I don't. I you know I don't think that. Uh, I think that's how I picked it up. So I was I didn't believe this always what we're teaching. And I think I picked up most of it by osmosis. Like yeah. I came up with this kind of view of the atonement which wasn't biblical, not because I was taught an unbiblical view, but that's cuz the na- it's like the natural default position of the world. Yeah. Well, um so in our Sunday school class, forty-eight sermons, by the way. Oh, I know, I know sermons. people were wondering. Okay. Forty-eight John sermons 17, on John seventeen, and people were wondering, Jay, you're over a hundred sermons in John, <laughs> and I'm like, give me a break, guys. I didn't do forty-eight <laughs> right. in John seventeen. How many? How many verses is John seventeen? Twenty-six. Uh, Twenty-six. Yeah. So he did like two sermons for every <laughs> every verse. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So. On Sunday mornings in our adult Sunday school class, we've started a class on biblical theology. And biblical theology is is the the discipline of reading the Bible as a whole story. It's not you you don't just you don't just um, proof text. You're you're looking at how does the Bible unveil the story for us. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to the atonement, yeah, we know animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. Christ is a better the better sacrifice. Right. And I, I think we, we get that. Like the animal sacrifices were always pointing forward to Jesus. So we're we're doing some biblical theology, but we're not we're not doing a complete biblical theology because we're leaving out the covenants. Mm-hmm. And without the, the the covenants, which are the backbone of the story, we're missing out on exactly what the atonement is doing. Mm. 
Um, and so we, we've got to talk about the new covenant. Mm-hmm. The new covenant that we've talked about in, in Hebrews, uh, behold, the days are coming, um, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So we, we talked about this in, in Hebrews chapter mm, 8, the, mm-hmm. the, the benefits of the new covenant. The law is written on the heart. Um, they have a personal relationship with God. Um, they, they all know God. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, their sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. What does Jesus say in the upper room when he takes the cup? This is the blood of the covenant. This is the blood of the covenant. Now, the his, new covenant, blood of the new yeah, covenant. Yeah, blood of the new covenant. His, yeah. Now, his blood is not actually in the in the cup. Right. right. He's saying, "I'm going to go, and I'm going to. My blood's going to be poured out for the new covenant." Mm-hmm. What is the new covenant? Laws written on their hearts. They yep. have personal relationship it. with God. They know God. Their sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. When he goes to the cross, he secures the benefits of the new covenant. Yep. Does he do that for everybody? That's why he says it's finished, right? Yeah. How can you say it's finished if it's not really until that person sometime in the future right. activates it? Or You know what I mean? He yeah. actually accomplished something. We, 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 we talk about the atonement as if it's only about forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. And it is about forgiveness of sins. I mean, that's that's the that's like the 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 primary emphasis I think in the New Testament is mm-hmm. our sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ. But that's not the only thing that Christ accomplished on the cross. He accomplished the law written on the heart, personal relationship with God, knowing God. Like the other the other benefits of the of the covenant, we can look at other places like Ezekiel 36 where God says, I'll, I'll give you my spirit. It's all part of the new covenant. Why, why are all of those things given to God's people? It's because of the cross. It's because of the atonement. Are those things for everybody? No, they're for God's people. So even when we're talking about people coming to Christ because of faith, that is also something that was purchased by the cross. Right. When I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people to myself. Mm-hmm. The benefit of the the cross is people coming to Christ. Right. So people are not coming to Christ um, because of their own free will. Mm-hmm. They're not just saying, oh, I want my sins forgiven and I'll go to Jesus. It, it's because of the cross, mm-hmm. he's like a magnet <laughs> and he's pulling his people to himself. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Isaiah talks and about this in Isaiah chapter eleven. I will, I will set up a standard, well, wait, and wait, the people wait, will wait, come. Wait, 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 wait. All right, because right, we right. got we got another letter coming where we got to talk about that stuff. I know, I know, but you gotta, you gotta it, hold but it. There, but we've talked about but it. But I'm they're, about to run your whole argument, George. You ready? <laughs> I'm going to run the whole thing, the whole thing, George. Yeah, let's hear it. You're done. Okay. For God so loved the oh, world no. that He gave His only Son. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John three sixteen. You're John done. John three sixteen. I got gotcha. you. It's, che- it's checkmate. <laughs> hey, you ever you ever heard that verse, George? Yeah. Your whole argument is over. I completely forgot John three sixteen. What yeah. what what have I done? So let's let's now what, let's what is, transition to object uh, verses yeah, yeah. that you used to object. That's I the just, main. I just wanted the to em- I just wanted to emphasize for people that you can't just look at at just individual verses. You've got to look at the whole story and where the story is going and you have to you have to talk about the new covenant. I yes, think I yeah, think the new do. I think I mean we're reading the New Testament, the new covenant. <laughs> the the story is all about what God is doing for his people by giving by making a new covenant with them mm-hmm. and it comes through the cross. And the new covenant is more than just the forgiveness of sins. It's all of the benefits we receive all of the benefits in the new covenant, this, this including is, our coming to Christ. And one of the ones that really kind of kind of pushed me over mm. was, was as along with John was looking at it from this covenantal perspective of mm. what Peter says at the beginning of First mm-hmm. Peter, yeah, uh, because he talks about it, this in the terms of being sprinkled with his blood, yeah. And the only time that happens in the Old Testament to people where like blood is sprinkled on them is at the cutting of the right. of the first covenant, the right. covenant at Sinai, mm. where representatives of people had blood thrown on them. Yeah. That was the blood of the covenant. It was it did something. Mm. It like sealed the covenant. Yeah. Um and that only happens here right. for God's people, mm. his elect. Right. Peter uses the same terminology yeah. in the New Covenant. Yeah, read read your Bible covenantally. Very good. Okay, there are some there are some you know yeah yeah some, some John, problem passages. John three John three sixteen is going to be the main one. You know that's the one they give out and say, but God so loved the world and he gave his only son <laughs> that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. So um, that's the one that probably our church folks will encounter the most. That's going to be the main one. Uh-huh. So how do we deal with that one? Well, I, I think one thing that's missing from John three sixteen is the cross. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there, there's no, there's no talk about like the intricacies of the atonement here in John three, right? Right. Um, so we we need to make sure that we're taking the language for what it is. Like, don't don't take don't take words and insert other other words in there. Right. right. So we need to understand God loved the world in this way. That's what that's what that's what for means, right? <clears throat> right. For God for God loved the world. And we we would agree with that, right? Yeah, and so I think I read D.A. Carson once talking about this. He says even people who would take this Arminian view, they way underplay John 3:16. Yeah. Like they would accuse us of saying, "Hey, you guys, you guys underplay John 3:16." Mm. He says, "No, no, they way underplay it because the world the cosmos in yeah. John's gospel mm. is not just sinful people, mm. okay? And this is really in John's letters that's this is going to play into First John two two, how I would take interpretation of that, yeah. but the cosmos and John's gospel, of course, he's uses it in various different ways. Like the whole world was gone after him. Mm. Obviously, not all people. Right. But when it's used like this, it is here. It's in reference to the fallen universe. Mm. So the whole universe fell in sin, and so the world is an awful, terrible place. So now the question is, what kind of God would love? creation, including falling people, the mm. pe- people in this creation that are fallen, what kind, of, what kind of a God would be that loving and gracious to not just blow the whole thing up? 
Yeah. You know, like with a cosmic nuclear bomb, just hit the reset button. Yeah. That's not what he does. He gives a demonstration of his love and that he gives the very best that of what he has. He didn't send an angel to die for sinners, right? He didn't, I mean, animals were insufficient to demonstrate the magnitude of his love, mm. so he sends the one whom he's loved for all eternity. And we forget that, that Jesus has existed for eternity, and he has been loved by his Father for all eternity. Just think about how much you love your son. Mm. It's minuscule in comparison to how much Christ loved his son, and he sends the very best of what he has to die for sinners. If that doesn't tell you, I love you, I want you to turn from your sin and come to me, mm. nothing will. Yeah. Now here's what the sinner does. They say, um, no thanks, mm. because I love darkness rather than light. I don't love you. And we forget to keep reading in John 3.16. Mm-hmm. If you keep reading, it's literally what, it, how, what, what, you, what we read. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. People are already condemned. Right. That's what we have to remember. Right. And here's the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his work has been carried out in God. Mm. Well, there's a lot in there right. at the very end. If you come to Christ, why did you come? Because your work was carried out in God. That was God's mm. working in you. But the, the indictment, John John 3.16, is a demonstration of how much God loves. Yeah, It's also a demonstration of how wicked people are. That even if God gave his very best and he broke into this dark world, we would prefer darkness mm-hmm. over him. Yeah, And so if God doesn't intervene, which we'll come to in the effectual call next time, if God does not intervene, you and me and everyone here, you'd be a lover of darkness and you wouldn't come to Christ. Mm. So, John three sixteen is not the gotcha that everybody thinks it is. Yeah, I think I think that what you're you're showing is that you can't just take out one verse mm-hmm. from a passage and say, well, what about this one? You got to keep reading, right? And I and see, see, I I agree. Like you know, I think in Calvinism you have various. I come over here on this side where I think you would find Spurgeon and Piper and oh, so I think Sproul too. And uh, one more, Gospel Worthy of All Acceptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wrote that? I can't remember his name now. Andrew Fuller. Mm. And they'll say the natural, disposi- natural disposition of God is love. Right. We can never deny that. Mm-hmm. And so well, we, are, we are affirming God's general benevolence and care for all of humanity. Right. Okay. Um, and so that needs to be maintained. Yeah, um, but I think the you know, maybe the distinction that we should make there from the way that God is often presented is that God is not um, He's not a scorned lover who's pining after the person that right. like why don't they love me mm-hmm. like that, I think that's the way that God is often presented. Well, God loves the world and. He's just he's just longing for you to come, right? And, you know, um, he's just he's just waiting and waiting, right? And that's not the that's not the right. When we say that God loves everyone, it it's not. Um, he's not like heartbroken 
because some people that Christ died for won't come. Right. I mean, we can get into some really big, deep theology. I mean, we we are not to think that we hurt God's feelings. Right. And God changed in His because mm-hmm. God doesn't change; He never changes. Yeah. Um, so we don't we don't do that to Him. Um, but I think John three sixteen is a good verse. I have no problem telling people God loves you. How do I know? Look at this demonstration. Yeah. He sent His only Son to die for sinners. Mm. Are you a sinner? If they say no, I say good day then, <laughs> because Christ came. Yeah. Not for those who have no need of a doctor. He came for the sick. Mm-hmm. He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to, to call sinners. Right. Now, now I could, I obviously wouldn't just leave them. I'd probably do some way of the master and show them using the law that they're a sinner. But if they maintained and they, I say, okay, then Christ came to die for sinners. Mm-hmm. Are you a sinner? Yeah. God loves you. He wants you to come to him. Yeah. Um, this isn't, like I said, this isn't the, the big one, but there's, a, there's others. Let's do another one. Let's do 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. How about that? Have you heard that one before? I have. So this is 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. Uh, so opposing view, they would say, all right, Giorgio, this is what it says. This is good, and it is pleasing the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Would you say that? Um, you know, I would, I would say there is um, all people as being defined. Here in this passage, mm-hmm. right? Um, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily telling Timothy to pray for everyone in the whole entire world, right? I, the way that the way that um, all often is weaponized is absurd mm-hmm. because I. I mean, I don't know if there's any time in my entire life <laughs> that that I've used all in the way that um, sometimes all is being demanded that it be used. Right. Right. Um, I mean, we we intrinsically know this. Like, if the president is giving a, a, a historic speech, and we say the entire country was watching, we don't mean we don't literally. mean ever, we don't liter- we don't mean literally every single person alive in the country is is watching. Right. The whole world was watching. I, uh-huh. I doubt if those, you know, those that tribe on that island that you can't even—it's illegal to even go on—are uh-huh. are watching, right? So right. I, I think that we we need to we don't force the biblical writers to to use language in a way that no one uses. Yeah. So all people, uh, but then I think he qualifies it for kings, yeah, and all who are in high positions that we may lead a quiet, uh, peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then there's covenantal language with with Jesus being the high priest. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. Right. Um, so I, I think that uh, God's general disposition towards mankind is that they be saved. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but God has given his son who is the exclusive savior. Right. That there's, there is no, there is no other. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to come to God, there's only one mediator. Mm-hmm. There's, there's only one way for you to. Mm-hmm. And so we should be praying for 
all people. Not not don't feel the burden in your prayer life that you need to be praying for everybody in the world, mm-hmm. but pray for all kinds of people. Don't don't exclude someone because they are the you know the undesirable one. Yeah, that's right. Like God's disposition is that all people would be saved, all kinds of people. Yeah. Right. And Christ has been all given. kinds, all kinds of people. It's good, yeah. People groups, mm. um, Gentiles. So John is John is often used as First uh, John two two is often used as a, another one of these gotcha ones because the word propitiation is actually used, mm. and that means satisfaction for sin. Right. Um, and so the, your options here in John in First John two two, your options here are to either come to our side or to become a universalist that's what i think what do you think (laughs) that's the only way you can go i mean propitiation he is the propitiation for our sins Mm. and not for our sins only but also for the sins of the whole world right yeah the word propitiation it it has a a meaning it Mm -hmm. means satisfaction he's the satisfaction for our sins and for the sins of the whole world well if we're if we're going to take whole world to mean every person who's ever lived, then we have to be universalists. Right. If either that or we have to change the meaning of propitiation. Right. So two, uh, I think there are two ways to look here. Uh, how does John use the world in all of his writings? Mm-hmm. And what you're going to find when John uses these words for world, he often means the non-Jewish world. Um, the world outside. Um, well, I mean, we use the world. We still use it that way, too, right? In the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. We say, he went after the world. What do we mean? Right. He's out, they left, they're like outside of the church community, mm-hmm. and they've gone the way of the lost. Right. Well, that's how Jews refer to all Gentile nations. Yeah. And John makes the, this really would, would have been, I think, to many Jews, a shocking statement. This Messiah is not just the Jewish Messiah. He did not die, shed his blood just for us, but for the sins of the whole world. That's one way. I think that's good. There's another one, though, which I think is more all-encompassing, which appeals to me. I don't know 100% if it's right, but I like it. We'll see what you think. So when you look at First John 2, 2, there's not, and you know, I'm not uh, PhD in, you know, Koine Greek. The ESV adds in the words for uh, the sins of the world. That's that's not actually in the Greek. He is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only. And then it just says literally, but for the whole, but for all the world, but for the whole world. It doesn't say and for the sins of the world. Mm. It just says and for the world, cosmos. So I also like to to think that this is a possibility. He's referring to our propitiation for us, for, for our sins. But that's not the only reason Jesus died, as you hinted at earlier. Christ will redeem all of creation. And so because of his death, he has sealed the deal. The entire universe will be redeemed. And that, I think, is a good way to read that as well. Um, you see that in your text, how, how it's not there? Now, what I don't know is if there is a rule to where you have to carry over sins and apply it to the world, because it's definitely not there in the Greek. Mm. It reads, he is a propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but for the world, right? Yeah. 
So I take that to mean, and it's a great reminder because we often forget, we, we can make the cross like only about people and their sins, mm. but it's about more than that. Right. It's a, reconciling the world to himself. Reconciling, yes. All of creation will be redeemed. Um, I mean, I have to think about that a little bit more. You got to chew um, on that my, one, Jordan. Yeah. You got to chew on that. Um, my, um, my explanation is by comparing verse 2 with another part of John's writing. Yeah. In John chapter 11. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the, the, the sentence construction is very similar. Very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which John chapter 11, this is uh, the, the religious leaders. They are plotting to kill Jesus because he's raised Lazarus from the dead. And um, uh, we've got Caiaphas, who's the high priest. He is prophesying. Right. <laughs> Unknowingly. Unknowingly, which yeah. Here's an, I mean, we could talk about that. Um, it says, one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied. And here's where the sentence construction is very much like First uh, mm-hmm. John 2. two. Um, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also together into one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. Yep. Um, so that's that's John's uh, commentary uh-huh. on on Caiaphas' prophecy uh-huh. that Jesus doesn't die just for Jews, Jews but he also dies for Gentiles. Mm-hmm. That's and that's that's kind of how I yep. I that's look good. At, at that's, First John two two. It's very good. Yep. Same author. Same author. That's why it's good. Same idea. I think mm-hmm. um, it, it holds it holds uh, to the the meaning of propitiation. Yep, uh, that's good. So those are just some of the ones you'll encounter. There, there are others, and we're not going to get into all of them. Um, uh, do you want to go? You want to uh, keep no, going? I, no, that's just pointing out that you used the word all. <laughs> nice, nice, nice Bible joke. Mm. <laughs> yep, yep. So one thing to remember, I mean, we, pro- we have folks at our church that aren't five-point Calvinists. And, uh, Who are they? Uh, I, I need yeah, names. I need names. How? Give me a list. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Uh, doesn't bother me. Because, no. like I said, uh, you know, and I don't even see it as my mission in life to make everyone a five point Calvinist. You know, kind of where I'm at since the world is like in flames all around us. Is that but every person that's ever lived? World what or? I would, what I would just like everybody to do is to uh, love their spouse and raise their children. Um, I could die a happy pastor. <laughs> That's it. That's all I want. I want well, and I would say I would want them to be evangelistic. Like, like I, one thing that has bothered me is the accusation. We'll get into that. Maybe an effectual call. Was you argue with Armenian people, and uh, I don't see that their theology compels them to evangelize people more than, like, more than me. That, that is one of the. That is one of the criticisms. Right. Well, right. if you hold the limited atonement, you you will you won't evangelize. Yeah, I I think that the problem with evangelism, like you said, is a problem that the whole church is is right. guilty of. It's not uh-huh. it's not those Calvinists that don't evangelize it. I've known plenty of Arminians that don't evangelize. Right, you know. Yeah. That, um, Why I, I think our I think our theology should 
it should lead us to evangelize more if we believe mm-hmm. that Christ died for a particular people and they're out there that we should. But um, I, I don't see that. Uh, I don't see that the the problem of not evangelizing is one that falls to one one group more than the other. It should. I think. I, what I really do think is, I think it should give you more confidence. Yeah. Like if you know, okay, Christ has a people, mm-hmm. right? And if I preach the gospel, I don't know, or I share the gospel, I don't know when they're coming to salvation. I might not see the fruit of it. Mm-hmm. It may happen later, right? But I know it's going to, it's going to do what God has uh, ordained the gospel to do. Yeah, it's going to call His people out because He has actually made an atonement for them. Mm. You know, um, what does Paul say? I endure everything for the sake of the elect so that they might obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal joy. That's I mean don't 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 like downplay what he said. I mean here's a guy who has literally been they tried to stone him to death. He's been beaten. He's living like a homeless guy going around the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And he, how can he endure it? Well, for the chance that just maybe There'll be people that will say yes. No, he knows. He endures it for the sake of the elect because he knows that they will obtain salvation because Christ secured it on the cross for them. That's particular redemption. And that should give you confidence sharing the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. So well, there's there's a lot of verses that we could look at. I mean, Matthew 1, 21, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Yeah, yeah. That's not potential. It's he. He does. Mm-hmm. Um, and we certainly didn't uh, cover all the all the uh, the verses that opponents would use. We hey, if pro- I, we probably didn't even we probably didn't even explain the the ones that we did in a, a full sense. But if hope, I hopefully gives just a little bit of a, a help to people. If I play Shylin's um, limited atonement song, mm-hmm. do you think this is going to get get banned from YouTube? Maybe. Because it's it's a good song. Have you heard it? Maybe just tell people. What if I pull the lyrics up and you rap it? (laughs) That's a terrible idea, Jay. (laughs) You've had some you've had some bad ideas, but that one might be the worst. (laughs) Well, here here's here's going to be a strange one. If I pull a video from YouTube Mm. and I play the video from YouTube on the podcast, Mm. then I re-upload this video to YouTube. It's got a YouTube YouTube, and then are they going to then take it down for playing something that's on YouTube? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, let's do an experiment. I mean, it would be be fair usage, wouldn't it? I would think so. Like we're using it it for commentary? I mean, I'm... Yeah, you know, we're pulling it off of YouTube, too, for crying out loud. We're taking off of YouTube and putting back on YouTube, and it's Shylin. I I don't think he's going to care that we're playing his, his stuff. What do you think? I don't know. It's time to talk sweet to that AI that blocks people. Tell them not to ban us. It's worked in the past. It can work again. Let's see. Do you want me to play it or not? Because I, I think it's cool. Yeah, go for it. There we go. No, this isn't it. This isn't it. <laughs> good job. <laughs> Now we're gonna get banned Here for playing go. a song that it wasn't even wasn't even the correct one. 
There we go. One, two. One, two, one, two. Okay. We on? Here we go. You can right. switch over to that, Larry, so they're not staring at me. It's a controversial subject that tends to divide. For years, it's had Christians lining up on both sides. By God's grace, I'll address this without pride. The question concerns those for whom Christ died. Okay. I don't know. Was he trying to save everybody worldwide? What? Was he trying to make the entire world his bride? What? This man's unbelief keeps the Savior's hands tied. Huh? Biblically, each of these. Oh, look at that. I connect it and it goes off. Man, we are such amateurs in here. You know what? We are we're nailing it today. Yeah, we are. This is this is crazy. All right. This is a good way to end the podcast. Now what are we now what are we looking at? We're looking at Jay's, There we go. Uh, Hang on. Hang on. I'll tell you when. There we go. There we go. One, two. One, two, one, two. Okay. We on? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Here's a controversial subject that tends to divide. For years it's had Christians lining up on both sides. By God's grace, I'll address this without pride. The question concerns those for whom Christ died. Was he trying to save everybody worldwide? Was he trying to make the entire world his bride? This man's unbelief keeps the Savior's hands tied. Biblically, each of these must be denied. It's true Jesus gave up his life for his bride, but his bride is the elect to whom his death is applied. If on judgment day you see that you can't hide, uh -huh. because of your sin, God's wrath on you abides. Yeah. And hell is the place you eternally reside. That means your wrath from God hasn't been satisfied. But we believe his mission was accomplished when he died. Yeah. But how the cross relates to those in hell? Well, they be saying, yeah, that's what they be saying. Catch me saying that he tried, but I'm saying, did he try and fail, or did he succeed? Is there going to be one drop of the Savior's blood in vain? Nah, perish the thought. The Lamb will receive the reward for his suffering. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, three and yet one, working as a unit to get things done. Our salvation began in eternity past. God certainly has to bring all his purpose to pass. A triune, eternal bond no one could ever sever. When it comes to the church, he probably works together. The Father foreknew first. The Son came to earth to die. The Holy Spirit gives the new birth. The Father elects them. The Son pays the debt and protects them. The Spirit is the one who resurrects them. The Father chooses them. The Son gets bruised for them. The Spirit renews them and produces fruit in them. Everybody's not elect. The Father decides. And it's only the elect in whom the Spirit resides. The Father and the Spirit completely unified. But when it comes to Christ and those in hell, well, they be saying... So if we can agree that the election of the Father is not universal and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit is not universal, why would the atonement of the Son be universal? That would put the persons of the Trinity completely at odds with one another. But the triune God is completely unified. Yeah, yeah. My third and final verse is the situation. Just a couple more things for your consideration. If saving everybody was why Christ came in history with so many in hell, we have to say he fell miserably. So many think he only came to make it possible. Let's follow this solution to a conclusion that's logical. Okay. What about those who were already in the grave? The Old Testament wicked, condemned as depraved. Did he die for them? Come on, behave. But worst of all, you're saying the cross by itself doesn't save. What? That we must do something to give the cross its power. That means at the end of the day, the glory's ours. That man sent the thinking uh -huh. is not recommended. Nope. The cross will save all for whom it was intended. Because to the elect, God's wrath was satisfied. Amen. But still, when it comes to those in hell, well, they be saying... Look, at the end of the day, this is about giving God the maximum amount of glory. You know what I'm saying? 
We proclaim a cross that actually saves. Not make salvation possible, but actually saves. Matthew 1.21. His name should be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Not might save them, not try to save, but no, he will actually save them. It's a definite atonement. And yo, this ain't controversy for the sake of controversy or theological nitpicking. There you go, George. How long has it been since you heard that song? It's been a while. Yeah. Been a good while. All right. You want to shut us down, my friend? Sure. All right. All right. Well, hopefully this has been helpful. If it has, make sure to uh, to platform us by uh, liking and subscribing and sharing. George also <laughs> has a great collection of glasses that he sells on his platform. <laughs> We got to bump those followers up. We got to bump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Those are rookie numbers, man. (laughs) Well, we will see you um, next time. Uh, Until then, be blessed. Thanks for watching.